All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for On the Mark, fueled by Booster Juice. Download the new Booster Juice Rewards app today to start earning berry points for delicious and nutritious smoothies, drinks, and food that will get you through the day as we welcome in Mark Spector, who's in the Windy City getting ready to cover this Oilers road trip tonight in Chicago, Thursday in Detroit, and then Saturday in uh, Montreal. Hey, Speck, good morning. Uh, Where are you staying in the Windy City? Are you close to Michigan Ave? Uh, yeah, I'm close to Michigan Ave. I stay the Oilers stay on one side of downtown. I stay on the other because it's uh, it's easier to get to the rink from here. There's mm-hmm. Hotels everywhere, isn't it's it? Actually, the rainy city today. Oh, is There's it raining? Tons of rain as well last night. What about the what about? I'm hoping it stays. Sorry. What about the wind? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's not very windy at this point. Frankly, it's just raining. Yeah, I'm just. It's supposed to turn into snow, and I'm just hoping it doesn't turn into snow before I get out of here tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every time that I've been in Chicago, I, it just every store has the revolving doors because it's so windy when you open the doors. You need to have that. You know, it sucks in that wind pressure and the air pressure, and every store it seems has them. Do you notice that on every building you go into? Almost, yeah. It's- especially in wide open Michigan Avenue. It's a cool town. It's a fun town. Like it's, uh, you know, and it's cold here in the winter. Like mm-hmm. they live on, obviously right on Lake Michigan and it's, it's big enough. It's like an ocean. So it has, it affects all their weather. And I'm here to tell you like our dry cold in, in Alberta uh, is totally different than the wet cold here. Like minus yeah. 12 or 13 in Chicago it is mighty cold. It's kind of like minus 22 or 23 in Edmonton. Such, so, yeah. whatever. It, you know what? It's winter. We cover winter sport. It gets cold once in a while. Suck it up, it's right? It's going to be minus 30 here at the end of the week, Speck. So. <laughs> it is, eh? Yeah. Well, so, you know, hey, with such a quick trip for you in Chicago, too bad, because one of our favorite, you, you and I kind of share a little bit of uh, liking to some certain music, and I've been to Kingston Mines a few times. You've been there a few times. It's one of the, it's a little off the beaten path as well, but... What yeah. a place. What a place. Yeah, yeah, there's a few little blues clubs around. There's one right off of downtown on uh, Clark that I would like I can walk to from here. But Monday night, everything's dark. It, it's it's kind of like Broadway. Monday night, all the blues cl- clubs are shut down here. So I watched that uh, college football mm-hmm. game last night, did very little, and uh, sat around, watched some college football, went to bed, pal. <laughs> how much uh, play, how much excitement did that uh, national championship bring in Chicago? Well, I mean, every single bar or restaurant had it on because there's nothing else on. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Blackhawks weren't playing. The NBA was almost dark, it seemed like. Uh, and there was clearly no Monday night football. So that's they they clear the tracks for that game, right? What was there, four NHL games yeah. last night? Yeah. Uh, so it's a big deal. I thought it wasn't a great game. You watched the game? Yeah, I thought, I mean, Michigan just manhandled uh, Washington. Uh, Penix Jr. was on his back the whole game or getting hit or a uh, ball was being dropped or there was a penalty. Uh, they, they had a very poor game. They they didn't play well at all, and, and you got to give credit to Michigan. I mean, they ran the ball down Washington's throat in the first quarter, and that kind of set the tone and set the pace and uh, took it from there. So we'll see what Harbaugh does. What do you think? Oh, who knows what he does. I mean, he's going to make millions of dollars coach in college or millions of dollars coach in the NFL. So I'm not shedding any tears or losing any sleep for Harbaugh. Mm -hmm. Uh, What did you make of that? I thought thought Penix was supposed to be a great quarterback. I'm not a college football guy. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously he's a good quarterback. He got his team to the the final game. But I thought he threw off his back foot all night. He had happy feet. He never 
even when he wasn't under pressure, he was never he never had both feet in the ground and threw with with authority. He was always throwing off back feet or his two feet were next to each other. I didn't like his game one bit. I thought he was brutal. And uh, you're right. Michigan wins the line of scrimmage and wins a game. Go figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you make of that trade quickly? Uh, we're going to talk to Frank with Frank about it a lot, but uh, Connor uh, Cutter Goche for Jamie Drysdale in a second. Well, uh, you know what? I was on the air with Jason last night uh, when the trade happened, and we were both taken aback because mm-hmm. it's obviously a weird trade that you don't usually see. And he was the first guy, Gregor, that said, "I'll bet you that that um, uh, Cutter Gauthier didn't want to play in Philly." And then we both, I said, oh, you're right. That does sound like a smart take. And that's clearly the impetus for the whole thing. So here's a a young guy uh, who's decided for some reason he doesn't want to play in Philly and and thus the trade. Uh, If I'm Philly, like I like the way Philly handled it, right? You don't want to play for us? Take off. Go play somewhere else. You're not playing for us if you don't want to be a flyer. Like all of that is a really nice facade. And I, I like the way they handled that. I want to know what's going on with my organization that a, a player like that doesn't want to play for me. I think that's that's a question I would have. Who doesn't want to play for the Flyers? Like you're an American kid, the Flyers are an iconic organization. Yeah. You know, they're they're getting better, right? They're seemingly coming out of the basement. I wonder why you wouldn't want to play for the Flyers. Well, you would think it has to have something to do with Tortorella. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, the you- buzz in Philly is that Kevin Hayes uh, who was an ex-flyer who didn't get on with Tortorella, uh, had influenced Gauthier. Gauthier had said early in his time as a Philly draft pick that that uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Hayes was a men- sort of a mentor and talked to him all the time and and really made him feel welcome and, and had a lot of influence over him. And then all of a sudden, Hayes obviously doesn't play there, and, and he didn't like playing for torts. And all of a sudden, the kid doesn't like playing for torts. Hayes denied it. Yep. But uh, you know what? There might be something there. Mark Spector, Rogers Sportsnet on the mark for Booster Juice, our guest every day, our contributor every day at 8 o'clock on Sports 1440. So, Oilers kick things off on this road trip in Chicago. Man, the Blackhawks, and we touched on it yesterday a little bit, Spec, with this depleted lineup, Connor Bedard out, but so many other guys. I mean, this is an American Hockey League roster that somehow found a way to beat Calgary on Sunday. How do the Oilers not let that happen to them tonight? Well, I think they just have to methodically play the game that they've built here. You know, the Oilers have played a game that can that can score seven in was it San Jose? I think mm-hmm. no, I can't remember um, last time they won seven to two, uh, or Anaheim. or a game a game that can play uh, that can go deep into the third period in a zero zero game with Ottawa. You know, that's that's the game they've 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 shown about three times this year. That when they've been down one nothing, two nothing here since since November twenty fourth, there was the Jets game. There's a couple others that they if if they stay with the game they play, even if it's not going in, they can get rewarded late in the game or in the third period. So my point is, it doesn't have to be two nothing at the end of the first. It doesn't have to be five one at the end of the second. Right? They just got to keep playing. If it's zero zero or one nothing Chicago in the second, don't freak out. The Oilers game is good now. It's solid. And if they play it for 60 minutes, they'll beat Chicago 19 times out of 20. Patience. Uh, I like the methodical uh, phrase as well. Do you think, in, you know, Chris Knobloch's just been phenomenal, 17 and 6 since uh, he took over as head coach. And I mean, who knows? Jay Woodcroft could have the same numbers. But 
that's neither here nor there, but uh, yep. the, the question I was kind of kind of posed to you, Speck, about team identity, and they always say the teams kind of take over the identity of their coach. Is that is that do you see that? Is it does it does it matter? Where, where are you on that kind of topic? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I mean, I think what you know, new coaches have different mandates. Some coaches come into a team that's just poorly constructed, and they got to change a bunch of stuff. Some coaches come into a team that that hasn't found any chemistry, and it's their job to to you know put the right guys together so they create some. This mm-hmm. Oilers team's done all that. They're a veteran team. They've been through playoffs together. That this was an Oilers team that just had to find its confidence. It just had to get it, for it inexplicably a lot of really good veteran players had lost their confidence. And his job was to get it, you know, help them get it back. And that's what he's completely succeeded at that. He's he's convinced them and found them in a position where when they, like I just said all the stuff about finding their game and trusting their game and believing in their game, he's he's like totally uh, fulfilled that mandate. So that's good. His personality, I don't know about that. I mean, does Torts' team play like his, you know, him? Nah. This, I mean, <laughs> Knobloch's a pretty uh, – he's a soft-spoken guy and he, he's, uh, you know, he's really smart, but he's, his, it appears that he does not have any ego at all or swagger. Uh, I wouldn't say that about the Oilers. I think they can play with some swagger. So, no, I'm not sure about the personality, but I'd give Knobloch a ton of credit for figuring out what had to get done and doing it quick. He always, uh, when you ask him a question or you're just listening to someone ask him a question, he thinks what he's going to say. Like he gives that extra second, you know what I mean? To just make sure yeah. that he wants to, you know, to, to get across his point that he was really what he's thinking about instead of just, you know, starting whatever answer it is, blah, blah, blah. So um, yeah. Phil, Phil Kemp yeah. gets called up. Yeah, spec. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Do you want to finish that thought process? Well, he's uh, he's you know we've lot, watched lots of coaches come in here, here in Edmonton, <laughs> and he's different than all of them. Like he's you know for his first time NHL guy, uh, he's really sort of trusted what he knows about the game. And and I I'm here to tell you, his one of the mileposts along his his journey, as they like to use these days, is his time as a Golden Bear. He spent five years as a Golden Bear, and I know lots of guys that 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 program churned out Mm -hmm. and almost to the man they're stand up they're professional they're intelligent they they know of course they know the game but it's a lot there's a lot about teamwork and selflessness and all the qualities of a good team i'm not saying that's the only place he learned them but i can see a lot of golden bear i can see a lot of billy moores and claire drake (laughs) and those things when i hear him talk uh, he and he certainly puts the team before himself. He's not a coach that's out front and front and center. Knobloch, you know, he's he'd just soon never do an interview if you asked him. Um, I was at the game on Friday, spec the Golden Bears and Trinity Western. Chris Knobloch was at the game, sat up okay. in the corner, and then moved over uh, in the second intermission. They kind of, you know, a lot of the Oilers brass over the years is they go to a lot of the games, they sit in that far corner. But Billy Moore's goes to yep. every game, and I talk to Billy every time that I'm there. And Bill was sitting with Bob Steadward, and the two of us sat together for the first period. And then after the second, uh, Chris Knobloch went over to talk to Billy, and there was you could could see uh, there was a crowd around 
in the corner, you know, kids and, uh, you know, probably getting an autograph or two, but just wanted to kind of get in there. So uh, one last yeah, one. That wouldn't be his thing. No. That wouldn't be his thing. Well, that's what it'd be. But he, he, he would have been just as happy staying in the other corner across the rink at Claire Drake and just kind of, you know, blending in. But now he goes over to there and it's creating a little bit of a buzz and, and that's, yeah. that's the way it goes. Phil Kemp gets called up. Phil Kemp gets called up. Spec. Just uh, is there any? Is there a problem with any of the defensemen? Maybe that we don't know about. No, I just think that you feel like you know you you always have the option of going eleven and seven, but you don't really want to have the option of going thirteen and five if someone gets hurt. Right. This is a facet of Bakersfield being far away. This is a facet of there's weather out here in the east and maybe you can't get a guy in. So. Here's here's what I, I think I know. It's like the call of my rate once in a while. They told in my in my understanding is that you know Broberg was getting a little fed up with what was happening, and I don't blame the kid one bit. And I think he was told, look, you're going down and you're gonna play a ton, and they're really happy with the way he's playing there. He's playing great, Phil Broberg, playing 25 minutes. But he was told, You're not coming up till you're gonna play. We're not calling you up in the seventh defenseman role again. We're going to call other guys up, and that's what Phil Kemp's doing here. He's a just-in-case defenseman who might not play. I'm telling you right now, if someone gets hurt tonight, I knock wood when I say it, if someone gets hurt tonight, there's every chance Broberg comes and meets him in Detroit tomorrow. So Phil Kemp's getting a little NHL money. He's getting a little taste, and and it's nice to see a kid. Maybe there's a player there. Who knows? But if this was a guy that was going to come up and play 14, 15 minutes, it'd be Broberg. And I think, too, again, you mentioned that you get a little for, say he's up for the week for the road trip, and now he gets a little bump in the paycheck. You know, you get a little jingle in the jeans. That's yeah. that, that, that counts a lot for these guys. Plus, it, it shows the, you know, it tells you that the organization has some interest in you as well. Well, it's a reward. Mm-hmm. It's a reward. And, you know, I, I this Phil Kemp's a really good example for everyone who's listening to this show. And we all judge these players so young in their career. And everyone told us what Darnell Nurse was going to be six years ago. And Skinner was never going to play. All that stuff. I was at the World Junior, Phil Kemp's World Junior. He's playing for U.S. It's in Vancouver. Don't ask me the year. Mm-hmm. And he, he's just a big gangly kid, but he makes the team. And he comes in as like a third pairing guy or maybe even below that. And then they start playing the games, and he's playing more. And now he's a third-pairing guy every day, and now he's a second-pairing guy. And by the time the U.S. got to the end of that tournament, Phil Kemp was playing a ton of minutes, and he was the coaching staff was absolutely relying on him. And I thought to myself, boy, I walked in the door here thinking, the orders have this guy. Is he ever going to play? I doubt it. And afterwards, I thought, hey, who knows if he's going to play? So now he's been in the minors for what, Kev? Three years at least. He's been in the minors for yeah, three and a half years basically. Yeah, so he's slugging it out. He's taking the long road. He's a you know he's not the fastest guy. He's not the most skilled guy. And now he's risen to the point where the orders say, hey, you know, outside of the Broberg, you're probably our best guy at the moment, and we're going to give you a shot. And can he play for the orders one day? Why can't he play mm-hmm. for the orders one day, right? We never thought Darren A would no, play. Exactly. He's becoming a pretty good player. Exactly. Hey, Spec, how's your travel tomorrow after the game? Everything kosher for tomorrow? Uh, I'm okay. I'm I'm flying at 10, so uh, it's 9 o'clock out here. I'll be sitting at the airport waiting for your phone call. All right. Thanks, big guy. Enjoy the game tonight. All right, Kev. That's Mark Spector on the mark, energized by Booster Juice. You can get the boost you need at Booster Juice, when we come back, Frank Saravalli, well, he's going to have a lot of things on his plate to talk about today. That's coming up right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. 
All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Reuter Plumbing at Mr. Reuter. They only employ the finest organic green-fed free-range plumbers for all your plumbing needs. Go to mrreuter.ca as we welcome in Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. Good morning, Frank. Anything happened in Philly last night? Oh, man. This town is on fire. <laughs> you know, even the casuals, they knew two names, Cutter Gauthier and Matvey Michkov. Those were the two guys that were going to help return the Flyers to glory and one of them says that they don't want to be there. Oof. <laughs> Good luck. I can't wait to see his NHL debut in Philly. Ooh. So what do you make of how all this shook down? And you can go back as far as you want here, I guess. Yeah, so I would say that this really kind of began back at the draft last year. Um, so rewind back to 2022. Cutter Gauthier gets taken by the Flyers fifth overall. He tells the Flyers on draft night that he wants he's built to be a Flyer. And so they're excited. They think they have this, you know, burgeoning bright young prospect who today after nearly being the uh, MVP of the World Juniors um is certainly ranked within the top 5 of pro- of all prospects in hockey. So at the draft one year after he was taken, Teams had started calling GM Danny Briere saying, hey, we kind of understand that, you know, something isn't quite right with Cutter Gauthier. He might not want to be there. Are you willing to entertain any offers? And the Flyers said, no, no, you know, let's let's park this. We think we can work it out. They have development camp in July. He doesn't show up. Some eyebrows are raised, but the Flyers kind of chalked it up to this is someone that's played a lot of hockey. He decided not to attend while he's in college. You still have to pay your way there. So not everyone actually decides to to come. And it was kind of quiet from then on. I, I'm kind of ashamed as an insider. I should have put more together. Uh, but the Flyers really kind of gave it one last-ditch effort. They had multiple, actually. They had sent... Um, player development uh, coordinator John LeClaire, an NHL star in his own right, to Boston College to try and talk to him after a game. He had his college coach come out and tell John LeClaire that he has no interest in speaking to the Flyers. Hmm. Then Danny Briere and president of Hockey Ops Keith Jones went to the World Juniors in Sweden over the holidays to again make one last chance and say, hey, We'd love to have you. We love you as a player. Give our organization a chance. Let us at least sell you on it. And they couldn't even get a meeting, so they came back and pulled the trigger last night, Jamie Drysdale, and a second-round pick in exchange for Cutter Gauthier. I guess the big question is, Frank, why Why does, Why does? did he not, Cutter Gauthier, want to even have a discussion about his future in Philadelphia? That's the mystery, and that's where I think a lot of people would like some clarity. Um, you know, you can understand certain parts of why players make these decisions. Think of Adam Fox, drafted yeah. by the Calgary Flames. Not nearly the same level prospect at the time that Gauthier is, but he decides he doesn't want to play in Canada. And as his career goes on at Harvard, he says, you know what, I my dad's a New York Rangers season ticket holder, a diehard. Even though I was traded to Carolina – I'm not going to sign in Carolina. I'm going to try and force my way to the New York Rangers. He goes on to win a Norris trophy and Calgary and, and Carolina get spurned. I think the shock is, and I'm not just saying this because I'm from Philadelphia, they've kind of been viewed as one of the NHL's crown jewel franchises. Mm-hmm. They treat their players extraordinarily well. It's a top three sports city in the U.S. 
It's a great place to live and raise a family. Um, I can't remember in my career as a journalist and or growing up in Philly, someone spurning the Flyers. And so was it the coach? Was it something else? Was it the way that they handled last year and potentially Gauthier wanting to turn pro? There's been lots of innuendo and speculation, but he never actually gave the Flyers a reason because he wouldn't actually communicate with them. Would the Flyers, Frank, have told him, you know, after you're done, your college career, we want you to go to Lee Valley or whatever? And- there, there was some talk about that, that that came up yesterday, Kevin, that yeah. um, potentially did the Flyers not want him to burn the first year on his entry-level deal and say, that's fine, you can turn pro, but finish out the remainder of this season, you know, three weeks or five weeks, whatever it is, in the AHL as opposed to coming right to the NHL and burning the first year of that contract. I've heard that. I can't believe mm-hmm. that that's the case. Hmm. Like, I can't believe that the Flyers would would risk losing their top prospect over the first year of an entry-level contract. Like, mm-hmm. it just doesn't seem like an organization would be that silly. So I, I, don't, I don't put a lot of stock in that. Frank Saravalli with us on Sports 1440. What did you make? So last night after the game, John Tortorella gets asked about it. He says, I don't know Cutter Goche from a hole in the wall. Then you see a post from, I believe, last spring from Cutter Goche when he went out of his way, uh, I can't even remember where it was, uh, to introduce himself to John Tortorella and saying, I can't wait to be a flyer, yada, yada, yada. Uh, maybe it's a, maybe it's not last year, the post, but it's a little bit before. What do you make of all kind of that? It's just, again, this is just a part of the situation where people are kind of unsure of what's what happened and what's going on? Yeah, so that goes back to the speculation of people saying, well, he just didn't want to be a flyer because he didn't want to play for John Tortorella. Mm-hmm. That clip that's been going around on social media where you see Cutter Gauthier so excited to introduce himself to the coach, that would seem to pour some cold water on that as well. So whatever the working theory is, I don't know. And I think the flyers are more perplexed that they don't know. Like the fact that they couldn't get a meeting with him to at least sit down across the table and say, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? That part never came across and they never had the opportunity to then sort of return and say, Hey, let's, let's make this right. And I can't really recall a situation ever playing itself out like it did where the Flyers just turn around and say, you know what? You're gone. Mm-hmm. That's the part that's surprising is the, is the return and the timing of the trade. You know, I really like Jamie Drysdale as a player, as a, as a person, he's an a plus human being according to everyone that I've talked to, but his ceiling, I think in the NHL in, in terms of, you know, communicating with scouts and people who have seen him really closely they think he's a, a high ceiling, could potentially get to a two mm-hmm. in the NHL, number two defenseman. And as a right shot guy who can quarterback a power play, that's that's nothing to sneeze at. But for the Flyers, they lost a guy in Cutter Gauthier that I think is going to be a dominant force in the NHL. And I think ultimately what this does, not even by their own choosing apparently, is it really sets back the rebuild because this is one key piece that you don't have now. Uh, Drysdale is going to go right into the power play unit with Philadelphia, and that power play unit needs a lot of help, as you know, Frank. So what about – is there a stigma now with U.S. developed 
players, uh, high school, college, whatever, that they're, you know, we saw with Adam Fox, you mentioned it. Uh, you know, here's another example where the player says, I'm not going to this team. Is that just a, is this just a, you know, one or two instances here or are we seeing more of it? What, do you, what, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know. Was there a stigma when Eric Lindros said he didn't want to play in Quebec? Yeah, we talked about that off the top of the show, yeah. You know, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. this is kind of the reverse of that. The mm-hmm. only difference is that Eric Lindros said point blank to Quebec before they took him, I'm don't never dra- going to play yeah. there. Don't draft me. Whereas Cutter Gauthier walks off the draft floor and says, I'm built to be a flyer. You could see why the flyers are a little bit turned around and, and not understanding what happened here. So... um I would say uh, stigma. No, I think this is part of how sports is evolving. Um, Look at the NBA, like players make a declaration and they're out. They decide they don't want to play for a team anymore. This is well within their rights and well within the rights of a, a drafted college player in that once the pick is made, you have four years and, you know, a few weeks to make it happen, to get that player to sign. And if not, they become an unrestricted free agent. So the Flyers had until August 15th, 2026, in order to get Cutter Gauthier under contract. And so could they have been medieval here? Could they have forced his hand? Could they have uh, changed you know, the dynamic of this? I think they felt like they were better off capitalizing on the value that he had at the World Juniors. And also the idea that they were able to keep most of this under wraps, um, I think they felt like that bettered their chances to get a player like Drysdale. Lots of ollieing, Frank, on social media last night with Kevin Hayes in this situation too. Uh, What do you know? Can you uh, shed some light on that? Uh, Because there's a lot, again, he said, she said, the whole uh, business with uh, what happened here. Yeah, and so the background there is that um, Kevin Hayes went to BC where Cutter Gauthier goes to school. And there was a, a, a podcast at some point where um, Cutter Gauthier had mentioned that he's a huge fan of, of Kevin Hayes. So clearly the relationship between John Tortorella and Kevin Hayes wasn't good. Um, there was, you know, healthy scratches after the team, he was leading the team in scoring and it kind of devolved to the point where the Flyers, retained half just to get him off the books last summer. Kevin Hayes is in St. Louis now. I think it was really disappointing and, frankly, BS that he was linked into this um, on a podcast yesterday. I I contacted Kevin Hayes and and exchanged messages with him and just complete nonsense. So uh, he gets roped into this somehow. Everyone's just kind of searching for answers. Mm -hmm. And you saw how the Flyers organization handled it right off the, the jump. Danny Briere does a press conference during the intermission of a game. Dan Hilferty, their chairman and CEO, is basically the acting owner. Uh, he goes on a podcast and blasts uh, Cutter Gauthier, saying he doesn't feel bad for him when he comes back to Philly, that Philadelphians have a, a long memory. Then John Tortorella does what he does after the game. Like They came out with a full-throated answer as to why the top prospect or one of the top prospects in the game has decided to go in another direction. Um, it's it's been a spicy 24 hours. <laughs> it has. Uh, so, Frank, what about your trade list that you've been working on? We talked about it, I guess, uh, last Tuesday, our first show of the year, and you were starting to get the wheels in motion on that. And, and obviously, as you said, you didn't think that this would be on the trade list. But uh, what do you see shaking down there in the next little bit? You know, I think one team that I'm really intrigued to watch is the Ottawa Senators. Um, 
they're in a, a fascinating position. They've clearly fallen way short of expectations this season. They've got their management group sorted out now with Steve Steos holding the permanent GM job in addition to president of hockey ops. And they're going to have a three-headed monster in their front office with Dave Poulin and, uh, and Ryan Bonus, their associate GM. And I think they're really kind of, you know, as they're dragging up the rear of this Atlantic division, they're ready to make changes. So what does that mean? They've got a pretty stacked left side of their defense that I think could probably use some better balancing. Shabbat, Chikrin, um, that, that group is there and they're making, you know, collectively a pretty decent chunk of money. So um, I think there's been some rumblings about the availability of, of some Ottawa defensemen. I, I don't think the Sens are, are interested in trading any of their young pieces, but still trying to sort out exactly which names end up on my board, but uh, kind of gives you some indication into what I'm thinking. What would you think of the national championship last night, Frank? Actually, this whole Cutter Gauthier thing could happened. watch I, it. <laughs> I, was, I was in the middle of doing a podcast with Sam Reinhardt from the Panthers, uh, that trade happened. I, I had to do another show after that, and I just never got around to watching it. Well, you didn't miss a whole lot if you're a Washington fan. We had Warren Moon on yesterday. And oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, CFL obviously, legend. Yeah. Obviously, Warren has a, a big history here in Edmonton uh, coming here after Washington State and then uh, being part of the uh, Eskimos, uh, then Eskimos five in a row in the late 70s, early 80s. So he was really singing the praises of Washington, and boy, uh, they just didn't uh, come up with a very good performance. So, uh, hey, Frank, I know you're just jammed with all the stuff you got to do to say, well, uh, let you go uh, enjoy the uh, games tonight. Well, just a quick one on uh, the just the Oilers with their you know seven in a row. Yep. Things are going well in Chicago tonight. First of three on the road. So, just your thoughts on the Oilers? A quick one. Uh, beware of Chicago. The Calgary Flames <laughs> found out the hard way uh, how difficult even a team as depleted as Chicago is. Um, but that roster is something to behold if you have a check a chance to spin around cap friendly. <laughs> there are twelve forwards that are. On the roster today, account for a total of $15 million. Yeah, it's insane. There are eight defensemen, 14. I mean, they've got $35 million on injured reserve, and the craziest part about that is they haven't needed to use any LTIR money <laughs> to even make space. They're all just on regular LTIR, just absolutely ravaged by injury. This is what you play for, though, in terms of the Oilers. They went through the tough part of their schedule, now getting you know a stretch maybe with the Leafs in the next number of weeks, a battle of Alberta. Mm-hmm. There's only a couple really tough matchups. You can take you can turn a, a seven game run into thirteen in the blink of an eye if you take advantage of it. Jason Dickinson, their top forward, two point six uh, million, two point six. And he was a million. salary dump from the Canucks. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey Frank, thanks for this. Uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Take care, man. See you, Kevin. That's uh, Frank Saravalli, our headliner of the day for Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca. We were going to get to that Blackhawks roster in uh, 840 here, but it is just absolutely, when you look at it, you'll go, you got to be kidding me. Like this is you're going to ice this team in the NHL, and yeah, we've got some injuries in Chicago. They they know that, so uh, we'll talk about that when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. You know, this has got to be on my action list. Toto and Roseanne. Is this because of Roseanne Barr we were talking about or what? Well, no, we were talking about Rosie O'Donnell. Oh. Uh, but no, that's Same thing. Not the, not the reason why. Uh, this is just a great song. Um, yeah, Rosie O'Donnell. 
you took some flack for that uh, take on but, the text uh, line. Yeah, Googie says, KK, don't be hating on Rosie O'Donnell. She was in two cinematic bangers, League of Their Own and Flintstones. Okay, maybe just a little hate. I wasn't hating on her. I don't mind Rosie. I like in the League of Their Own. I like that show, that movie. I, I like Madonna in there. They, uh, Tia Leone was in there. Janet Jones Gretzky was in there. Where does a league of their own stack up in your uh, pantheon Not, of uh, sports movies? Way down the list, but <laughs> I, Tom Hanks was great. I thought, what, what a cast. You know what? One of the best uh, lines in that movie, and I think I can get away with saying it, is um, Tom Hanks, is do, they're doing a little prayer before one of the games, and he's going, you know, dear Lord, da 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 and he's going on and on and on. And then he says, uh, uh, thanks for the, the one, the, the waitress or whatever in Omaha, Nebraska. You remember who she was? She kept hollering out your name. Yeah. And all the, all the girls in the, <laughs> around the crowd kind of looked at him going, oh, boy, what's going on here? <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed the movie, but I mean, I thought, to be honest with you, I thought all the 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 baseball players were really good. Gina Davis was really good in it. Yeah, like I mean, they looked like they'd played ball. Is what I'm saying. Not like Boria. Like we, were <laughs> we, talking, have, we haven't talked about that on no, air yet. We haven't talked about it. There's a sing, uh, the, the, a series out on Crave. Boria Salming. You couldn't ask for a, a better warrior that played in uh, tough times in the '70s and uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Boria Salming just passed away, unfortunately. There's a series now out on Crave. It has to be, it's probably done in Sweden, I would imagine. And nothing against Swedish documentaries and Swedish television shows. But the quality of, I guess, the players that are skating on the ice at times, and they've gone bounced back. They've bounced back and forth from the real video from the 70s and Boria Salming getting into it with uh, Dave the Hammer Schultz and things like that. But it's just not believable. It just, and I understand what they're trying to do, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to see if it was made in Sweden. I don't know. Jordan texts in, since Bob blasted you last week, I noticed the 25-year disclaimer added to the intro. I love it. Well, that's cutting you short, right? You, I'm, just, I'm so disappointed in that, dude. Kevin's not satisfied with over 25 years. I'm not. I, and, and hey, Gene right? Principe, Gene Principe came up to me <laughs> at Oilers practice last week and said, "They're selling you short. You got to get that changed." He said. So how do you do it, Duke? Well, that's uh, that's one thing that's not really in my. Uh, area of control oh, we'll have know. to uh, I'll, I'll chat with uh, our friend dale over in the 34 studios. years duke well that's well, nine years is a big difference that is a big difference actually nine years would, nine years ago i was still a young whippersnapper <laughs> yeah you were 20 years old i, 19. Was, I was you were yeah. just of age i was uh i was in my heyday bar star <laughs> yeah. ripping okay. up, ripping up knoxville's tavern the ranch roadhouse the pint downtown the pint Every, so did you every, ever, every Wednesday night without you, missing a beat. Did you ever go to O'Burns or anything like that? On White Avenue? Yeah. Yep. yep. Went there for wings a couple times and enjoyed. Uh, I Like on the weekends, we didn't really like on the weekends, we just go to the pub, mm-hmm. uh, like Garneau Pub, uh, maybe um, Devaney's on campus. Okay. Now back in the day, like all my buddies ran bars in town and I had, you know, basically a norm chair it, I was more standing, always to the side of the bar where I could have a quick schnapps, quick shot, whatever. And back in the day, there was a bar called Overtime. Do you ever remember that one? 
Where was that at? Sorry, it was overtime. It was on a, just on a hundred and fourth somewhere in there. Downtown, downtown. No, yeah, not, but Kevin Lowe was a part owner. Rarely ventured downtown. Okay. The name rings a bell, but I never went or anything. So that was a big time bar back in the day where guys would go and and uh, have some fun dancing. They, I remember uh, one time they put uh, they installed one of those. Uh, floors where the the if you were dancing on it the colors changed. Whoa, it was like a discotheca. Kind of, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, kind of. That would have been really hip. That would have been the scene, as they say. <laughs> um, we were uh, discussing the Chicago Blackhawks lineup before we went to break a little bit with Frank, and it is when you look at it, it's. I mean, there are some American Hockey League teams that would go. I think we could give you a run tonight. It does not inspire a ton of confidence. So Jason Dickinson, and Frank was talking about the amount of money that, and I mean, money's not everything, but I mean, obviously when you don't have players uh, available and they have so many guys on IR, they're IR right now. Seth Jones, nine and a half million. Taylor Hall, six million. Tyler Johnson, five million. Andreas Athanasiu, 4.25 million. Anthony Beauvillier, he's on IR, 4.15 million. Nick Foligno, uh, broke his finger the other night. He's four million. Connor Bedard, well, only nine fifty, but the best player by far on the team. Uh, Joey Anderson and Taylor Radish also on injured reserve. So we haven't even talked about the guys that are in the lineup tonight. Which you go, you'll go. Holy smokes! I don't even know a lot of these guys. So we've yes, you know Jason Dickinson. I think a lot of people have heard of Phil Kershev. Uh, Ryan Donato's been around a few years. Uh, Colin Blackwell. He will be playing tonight. Rem Pitlick, uh, that's a name I think a lot of people know. Cole, Re- recently yeah. acquired. Uh, Cole Gutman is in the lineup tonight. Lucas Reichel is in the lineup tonight. Mackenzie Entwistle, he was a fourth liner, who was uh, in the lineup uh, when they played here. Reese Johnson, Zach Sanford, Brett Sini, and Boris Kachuk. Those are all guys. They have basically seven or eight guys that are under a million bucks on their roster on the forwards playing tonight. Now we haven't even got to this rookie defense, which we saw, I believe there were three rookies in the lineup when Chicago played here last. And the guy that we talked about, and that was with Troy Murray, who's going to be on with us later today. The best player in my mind on the ice, as far as defensemen go, was uh, Alex Vlasic for the Blackhawks. He was really good in Edmonton. But they've got two older guys, uh, Zaitsev and Connor Murphy, and then you got Jared Tenorti. Okay, now the rookies, all on entry-level contracts. Kevin Korchinski, Alex Vlasic, Isaac Phillips, Louis Crevier. I mean, you have, how did Calgary lose to these guys? Great question. I did not watch the game, uh, I'll admit. But when you look at this, uh, this roster, it does beg the question, how did Calgary lose to this team? If if like this is a game the Oilers should um you know run them out of their own building. <laughs> now Tigers are hey curious. I lived in Calgary from 1990 until 2020 here and I never heard of you at all in Calgary. Wow. Mm. I was only there in, in Calgary one year. I was at CFCN. It was a maternity leave. Tammy Christopher was, uh, she was on maternity leave, but Russ Peak was in Calgary and uh, the Rhinestone Cowboy, Glenn Campbell. That was back when there was, and Kenny Newins just left. Ken Newins, one of the all-time greats in broadcasting, one of the funniest guys of all time, 
he was very, Ken was infamous for bloopers on the air. And back in the, it was either the 88 Olympics or 92 Olympics, he, there was a Russian dance pair and he, the names were this long, like they were 20 letters long with one vowel and Kenny tried and he practiced and practiced these names and, and he banged it on the air and he goes, and whatever the names were, I can't even remember. And here they are dancing to the Vietnamese waltz because he, he just got so excited about getting uh, things going with the dancers. Uh, we've got a, well, you know, it's going to be exciting to talk about uh, Grant Fuhrer because he's been off. When's the last time we had Fuhrer on, uh, Duke? So he was the, would be right before Christmas? Yeah, like the so 20 or 19th? 19th or 18th, right before Christmas. Because we had, uh, we were off the 26th and then he was off for uh, the uh, winter outdoor classic, game, yeah. the winter classic last in Seattle. Tuesday, so it's and been a while. Wasn't it something to see Joey Decord, right? Joey Decord had the shutout in the Winter Classic. He's had, been beating his drum uh, since his first, day, first, first day on our airways when we were talking about the Seattle system and, and Grant was talking about Joey Decord, how he uh, had high hopes for him at the NHL level. He'd, uh, he'd earned, the, earned the right. Jordan says, Gene said, Kevin, when it comes to the show, some say you carry us all. Gene, obviously very well known for his puns. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, Pillman says, morning, gentlemen, keep up the... Job well done, as always. Uh, we never heard of him either, LOL. And Garrett says that was Rosie, not Roseanne. Yeah, Roseanne Barr and Roseanne. And Rosie, Rosie O'Donnell. O'Donnell. Roseanne And Barr. that song is titled Neither of Those Things. It's Roseanne. Rosanna. So if I have a, can I say we don't want to ever have that song on again? Yeah, that's fine. And what could we fill it with? Well, I've got an endless arsenal. The world's my oyster when it comes well, to music, and mostly. Now, and, now, mostly. <laughs> and now we've got Donovan, the intern, in here, right? So he's yeah, got the ability. He, maybe he'll start picking some songs and get us really Can, inclined into what the young people are listening to nowadays. <laughs> Imagine that. We're going we're to get Donovan on here one of these breaks here. And just to get him, you know, we got to get in, him involved. In the mix. Just get him involved here. It's the second day. Donovan, the intern from Nate. Yesterday, wide-eyed. Yeah. Bushy tail, taking it all in. Donovan, to- step to- over to the mic here. We'll just, we got about a minute here. T- touring the uh, yeah. palatial studios. Yeah. So, uh, second day for Donovan, the intern, and you're from Nate, Donovan? Yes, I am from Nate. And you're, what do you think? So, two days into the business? Two days into the business, you know, um, <laughs> I, I've taken it all in. I've what's seen the, the What's sites. the Duke? Like he's just all over. Like he's giving you all the ins and the outs of the board. Now you're you're writing the uh, updates and things like that. Yeah, we'll be writing the updates. You know, I've uh, I've seen the Duke in action. He's uh, <laughs> he's a man of mystery. You know, he you know he's he's shown me the sights. Yeah. I've uh, I've enjoyed you know spending time learning. Yes. Well, we're we're glad to have you, and we'll be we'll be getting some projects going for you here. It's only your second day; you've only been on the job, you know, a few hours here. So we'll we'll and you know, I I thought the interns has to bring coffee and donuts in. Is that was that something I'm missing here or something? Well, the nice thing is we have coffee readily available to us, even if it is um, as uh, Sparky called it, um, <laughs> Shawshank. Shawshank coffee. <laughs> I was actually that's where uh, when you're just on with Frank. Uh, Donovan and I just stepped out to the coffee machine, and I told him the the French vanilla is exquisite. Wouldn't go for the straight coffee though <sighs> yeah, if I, I were uh, if I were you. But Donovan, not a coffee drinker, so mm-hmm. maybe like we'll be hard pressed to get him to stop for coffee for us in the morning if he's not getting something for himself. Um, I'm looking forward to going to Tommy Guns for a hot towel <laughs> shave. I'm gonna nothing have, better. I'm gonna have one of those the next time I go in here. Uh, time now for a sports 1440 update, brought to you by. 
Tommy Guns, our unique lounges and casual setting makes it easy for anyone to rock a new look and get the best hot towel shave experience in Canada. Hands down. Book now at TommyGuns.com. Here is the Duke.